I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. G'day, Irrational Fear listeners. Dan Illich here. Uh, letting you know that, yes, you may have noticed I took the week off last week. That's because I'm currently in Africa. Not Toto's Africa, but the Bertha Fellowships Africa. Yes, they flew me out to Cape Town. After supporting the podcast for two years, they, uh, they got us all together. Because of COVID, we weren't able to get together before. But now we are all in one room currently. And who knows if I'll make it back. This was recorded before I left. <laughs> I might have been mauled by a hippopotamus or impaled by the last ever um, North African rhino. Who knows? Who knows? But in my place, I have a very special treat. And once a month coming up for the next few months, we've got the one and only Dylan Bain, who's going to be delivering us a juicy news fighters on this feed once a month. G'day, Dylan. G'day, Dan. Thanks for having me on your feed. I hope we both get to feed some sumptuous wacky clips. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes. For those of you who don't know, Dylan is a long-time collaborator of mine. He's a, a TV editor. He makes wacky clips. He has this incredible podcast called News Fighters, which is kind of like uh, the monthly news in a blender uh, and it's drip-fed uh, through snarky comments. Is that probably is that probably right? Yes, yes. It's very much I take the, the month's news in clip form and I riff on the clips and it's a very fun time to be had by all. And then at the end of the show, I have an interview, which this week oh. is going to be you. Oh, well, that's so oh, how convenient. I'm right here. I'm ready to go. This is so amazing. So um, thank you for continuing on with supporting Irrational Fear. Uh, your Patreon is actually helping Dylan as well. So we're going to be giving Dylan some of the Patreon money. So please, if you enjoy News Fighters and Irrational Fear, chip in to patreon.com forward slash Irrational Fear. I'm recording my end of Irrational Fear. Well, News Fighters on, on Gadigal Land of the Urination. What land are you on? I'm also on Gadigal Land of the Urination, I believe. There we go. There you go. This is a very this is a very urination centric show. A lot of people have said that. This feed is too urination centric. Got, got to get some Nam in here. Speaking of um, speaking of other nations, we're going to be up in Mianjin. We're going to be in Brisbane uh, uh, on the 26th of March, and we're going to be in Adelaide in two weeks. In March 4th. So we'll see you then. Oh, of course. And we'll we'll be in Nam. We'll be in Melbourne performing at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival April 2nd. So 
Uh, well, Dylan won't be. There'll be a different DJ. We hired out of you know pure convenience and cost sake. We found a DJ. There was a DJ in Melbourne. Apparently, there are no DJs in Brisbane. There are no comedy DJs in Adelaide, and we had to fly them in. Andrew McClellan's a great mate of mine, and will arguably do the job better than me. So enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's this month's episode of News Fighters. Let's start the show. This is News Fighters. News, so you don't have to. With Dylan Behan. Yes, g'day everyone. Welcome to News Fighters. It's episode 121 for February 2023. News Fighters, everybody loves it. Tiller on it. For those of you joining us for the very first time, News Fighters is a comedic look at the month in Australian news media and political hypocrisy, hosted by me, ex Tonightly and Chaser editor and 80s rock legend. Dylan Bain. Yes, and uh, News Fighters, of course, is now monthly here on the Irrational Fear podcast feed. And if you love Irrational Fear, stick around because my interview guest is none other than my new boss, Dan Illick, who's here to talk about the New South Wales election, amongst other things. I don't mind getting a parking fine. It's in the app. I could, I could see it. I could see how many points I've lost by going through that red light. I've only, I haven't gone through any red lights. But first, happy New Year's, everyone. I don't know about you, but to me, it feels like uh, it's the first year where we're not in 2020 anymore. Yes, it's the first summer in four years here in Australia that hasn't been dominated by deadly bushfires, COVID lockdowns or scary new variants. Of course, the upshot of that is the media has been absolutely scrambling for news stories to report on. I mean, look, somehow this made the national news. Nicole Kidman and Keith Urban are making the most of their time here in Australia. It was a recent trip to a kebab shop that had the Hollywood couple wowing locals. Yeah, Nicole and Keith stopped by Manly Seaside Kebabs for a tasty treat. And for those of you who believe that long-form interrogative interviews died when Lee Sales left 7.30, well, ha! I give you the most confrontational explosive interview since Frost Nixon with Sunrise Kebab Shop Owner. How exciting was it to have Nicole and Keith in your store? And most importantly, what did they order? Is there any time of the day when a kebab isn't appropriate? I've got to ask, do you have a specialty dish? Is there something that Keith hasn't tried yet that maybe he should give a go? Mate, I'm going to get him to try the lamb kebab. Uh, what, a, what, a, what a story. How good. Good on you and thanks for the great kebabs. Oh, I'll be studying that interview at journalism school for decades to come. And in international news this summer, there was almost a major diplomatic incident as a mysterious foreign balloon was spotted over America. Bluey, the lovable blue healer pup from Australia, is making her debut in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Yes, fun fact though, Bluey was actually Australia's first balloon in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade since the Babadook in 2015. Summer, of course, is also the season of sport in this country and the New Year's cricket test in Sydney gave us a telling sign that maybe COVID is finally behind us. Matt Renshaw has actually tested positive to COVID. Now, he will play, but he's keeping a safe distance. And he is in the starting 11, of course. He will play and uh, he'll play a full part. Yes, that's right. At the third test against South Africa in Sydney, Australian cricketer Matthew Renshaw tested positive to COVID and played anyway. Never even 
bothered to put a mask on. Well, as Scott Morrison would say, Australia is literally... Taking wickets in the virus. (laughs) (laughs) They are indeed. Indeed, indeed. Taking wickets with the virus and batting with the virus and standing 50 centimetres away are masked from the other players during the national anthem with the virus. We now do everything with the virus. Someone else who's definitely over COVID is the Today Show's Carl Stefanovic. As you know, I'm not a glowing ambassador for more than two shots. I've just decided that I've had COVID a couple of times and I'm done with the vaccines. Wow, what a surprise. A millionaire TV host with paid sick leave doesn't want to get vaccinated anymore. Well, that's fine by me. All the more jabs for me. If I get sick with COVID again, I can't afford to pay my rent. So I'd be happy to fight waning immunity with a jab every morning with my coffee. Yum, yum, tasty vaccines. Yum, yum, yum. One country that isn't completely over COVID yet, though, is China, which only just ripped the Band-Aid off its COVID zero policy in December, which led to Australia having to take some steps to protect itself. The federal government has today acted on concerns about China's surging COVID cases, announcing that travellers arriving from there will be required to take a pre-departure COVID test. Yes, that's right. Incoming travellers from China were required to take a COVID test before coming to Australia. But why exactly? If it turned out they were positive, they're legally allowed to do whatever they wanted here. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Lee. It appears as though you've tested positive for COVID. Well, on your way, enjoy your shopping trip. Oh, one more thing. Uh, is there any chance you could just uh, do us a favour and wear uh, a set of cricket pads and bat in the test this afternoon? That'd be great. And if I saw one sign that the media has definitely moved on from COVID, it was the sight of the ABC's chief COVID alarmist and doom-monger Dr Norman Swan out doing fluffy lifestyle reports. Welcome to the programme. Later, we'll see Dr Norman Swan in an ice bath. Slowing it down. (laughs) Well, I can't pretend that it's not cold. It is freezing. Geez, a a slight change in tone from his reports this time three years ago, don't you think? If you let the pandemic go unchecked, huge numbers won't be able to receive treatment and will die. It's not just the elderly who die. It's 30 and 40-year-olds with no obvious risk factors. Well, anyways, thank God we've moved on and uh, nobody is dying from COVID anymore. Thank God, right? Right now, COVID is putting 50 times more Australians in hospital than the flu and killing between 50 and 100 times more people. Meanwhile, the ABC's uh, chief COVID statistician, Casey Briggs, has even been demoted to reading other boring news stories. Good evening, Casey Briggs with ABC News. Former Prime Minister Kevin Rudd will soon be headed to Washington as Australia's next ambassador to the United States. Dr Rudd brings unmatched experience to the role. Hang on a second, Dr Rudd? Dr Rudd? What is he a doctor of? A backstabbing and handball? Anyways, it turns out Dr Rudd wasn't the only nerd that our Prime Minister had to contend with this summer. One of the world's richest people, Bill Gates, is meeting with Prime Minister Anthony Albanese at Kirribilli House. We haven't uh, met before, but I've admired uh, your work. Yes, turns out Albo's a big fan of Gates' early work, especially Clippy the Talking Paperclip and, of course, the Microsoft Windows Calculator, without which uh, Albo never could have done the numbers against Gillard. Hmm, True fact. It wasn't just all nerd talk. There were some actual policy announcements from the federal government this summer, like this one. The federal government is promising to usher in a new era of support for Australia's creative industries with a $300 million boost to arts funding. The five-year plan includes the establishment of a poet laureate. Yes, and knowing federal labour, I can probably guess who they're going to pick as their first poet laureate. My guess is a certain ex-prime minister. This f***ing language. Tell these dickheads in the embassy, tell that bloody interpreter. Ah, Ah, what a beautiful way with words. Move over, Carol Ann Duffy. 
look her up. The Liberals, of course, were absolutely incensed that Anthony Albanese would prioritise the arts, of all things. Here's Deputy Liberal Leader Susan Lee. The arts is important, but this announcement demonstrates the government's misplaced priorities. They're promised an art gallery in Alice Springs. And what Alice Springs needs is more police on the streets. Yes, how dare the government talk about the arts when there's any other problems occurring? The Liberals have decided the current Alice Springs crime wave is Anthony Albanese's Hawaii moment that he must be hammered on at every opportunity, forgetting, of course, last I checked, crime is a local issue, not a federal one, and prime ministers aren't Santa Claus and can't be everywhere all at once. Instead, the Coalition and the Murdoch media are all asking, how dare Albanese spend any time anywhere other than Alice Springs? Doesn't he know his job is to be fighting crime 24-7 like Batman? The prime minister spent a lot of time uh, at the tennis uh having, uh, you know, uh, enjoying corporate hospitality. Uh, But there are pressing issues in relation to the safety of Indigenous Australians uh, in uh, Alice Springs. So the Prime Minister should visit Alice Springs. There are tennis matches that went longer than Anthony Albanese's visit on the ground in Alice Springs. Uh, You know, of course, no sign of uh, Albo. He's not interested. He, He did his couple hours on the ground. Off he went to the tennis to chug back beers. Well, he's Do you reckon be... he'll spend as long at the Mardi Gras as he managed to spend? Certainly not as long as he spent at the tennis. No, well, that was I mean, three nights. three days. <laughs> Just look at the optics of this. Look at this uh, being at some massive, colourful celebration in the streets of Sydney when the absolute mess that Labor have helped contribute to both at federal level and territory level in, the, in, in Northern Territory and particularly Alice Springs has not been solved. you got to love Sky News' outlook here. You know, the coalition have been in power for roughly 21 of the last 27 years, but every current societal problem is a direct result of the last nine months of the Albanese Labor government. Why haven't they fixed everything already? Also, don't you think it's funny how the Liberals hate Anthony Albanese attending the tennis, but never had an issue with all the time Scott Morrison attended the footy, even like say, in mid-March 2020, when Australia was facing its biggest crisis in generations with COVID lapping at our shores. On the same day, Morrison announced he was banning mass gatherings. He also said, of course I'm going to the footy this weekend. Welcome to the program. Mass gatherings of more than 500 people are set to be cancelled from Monday as Australian authorities try to limit the spread of coronavirus. (laughs) Well, well, I do still plan to go to the football on on Saturday, as I said, because um, this is a an arrangement we're putting in place for next week as a precaution. Anyway, speaking of massive hypocrites, this week we had... Oh, yes, you hear that? It's the honeymoon ending for the Albanese government. The government has rejected calls for Communications Minister Michelle Rowland to resign after she accepted $19,000 in donations from a gambling agency before the federal election. I have and will continue to comply with the disclosure requirements of the AEC, the Register of Members' Interests and the Ministerial Code of Conduct. No need to worry. The Communications Minister complied with all the necessary political financing rules, which proves our entire political system is corrupted by money and nobody wants to do anything about it. But personally, I'm amazed nobody saw this coming when the uh, sports bet app uh, actually listed Michelle Rowland as the two to one favourite for being the first Labor minister to resign in disgrace. Damn it. Knew I should have gone for a same sitting week multi. Anyways, back to Indigenous reconciliation. And last week was the 15th anniversary of Dr. Rudd's apology to the stolen generations. And I'll give you one guess 
who couldn't be bothered turning up yet again. Notably absent from the anniversary breakfast this morning, Peter Dutton says he wishes he made a different choice in 2008. And the Prime Minister's frequently able to point it out uh, that I didn't attend the chamber for the apology 15 years ago. I've apologised for that in the past and I repeat that apology again today. Yes, make sure you don't invite Peter Dutton to your wedding or he'll boycott it on purpose and apologise, but miss your 15th anniversary party on purpose again anyway. You know, like a normal, emotionally stable and empathetic human being does. I failed to grasp at the time the symbolic significance to the stolen generation of the apology. Yes, Peter Dutton says he finally grasps the symbolic significance of the apology, so you think he might be supportive of the even more significant voice to parliament that's being proposed. Right? I think the voice uh, is not going to get up. Uh, I don't think it's going to be successful. I want an outcome that's going to bring an end to the violence, the sexual assaults on children taking place in Alice Springs at the moment. I want reconciliation to improve in our country. I don't want to see the escalation in domestic violence that we've seen. And I, I want a model uh, that is going to help those kids enjoy the life that I would expect my kids to enjoy in a capital city. Yes, that's right. Peter Dutton is basically saying he's not going to support the voice to parliament because it doesn't solve all the problems facing all Indigenous people immediately. You know, like his government was famous for fixing. Anyways, it's quickly becoming abundantly clear that the main reason Peter Dutton and the coalition are going to oppose the voice is because Anthony Albanese is in favour of it. And for all their endless talk about wanting outcomes that improve people's lives. They've quickly forgotten that in their last decade in power, the only lives they seemed to improve were the lives of landlords, CEOs and shareholders. Hilariously, people like Peter Dutton and Indigenous Coalition Senator Jacinta Napajimpa-Price have declared their opposition to The Voice while simultaneously saying that what Indigenous people need is for their voice to somehow be heard by political leaders in Canberra. Wait, what? If there is a strong Indigenous voice coming out of the Northern Territory at the moment, that they want the Prime Minister to lead, to act and to help them out, but the Prime Minister is not listening to that voice, then I think most Australians would say, well, what, why not? We don't need a voice. We need ears. We need, we need our leadership to, have, um, to use their ears and to listen to community. I want to make sure that those voices who have the ability to make the changes and the practical outcomes and the improvements for kids and women and families on the ground. That, that's the voice that I want to hear. Yeah, maybe Dutton and Price are right. If only there was some way Indigenous people could be regularly consulted and listened to by our parliament on the issues that affect them. Why, why hasn't anybody thought of a way to do this? Uh, if they figure it out, maybe we could vote on it in a referendum, maybe. Dutton and Price would support that, right? So in conclusion, it looks like the political year is beginning to take shape. We've got an opposition determined to set reconciliation back an entire generation just so they can score some political points against a popular new prime minister. We've got a new government whose modus operandi appears to be nothing more than appearing slightly less corrupt than the other guys they replaced. And all the while, the media is more focused on what kebab shop our Hollywood stars went to than holding any of these politicians to account. Good on you and thanks for the great kebabs. I know it's only February, but right now the political landscape in Australia feels so mean and dirty it makes me want to have a prolonged ice bath. Right, Norman Swan? <laughs> okay. Happy 2023, everyone. Alrighty, welcome back to News Fighters. And this month, our special interview guest, uh, I haven't had him on for two years, believe it or not. It's an uh, old friend of mine, the host 
of irrational fear, Dan Illich, the man with whom comedy would not exist in Australia. How are you going, Dan? <laughs> That's very generous of you. Yes, uh, I actually, I actually, I actually made comedy. I invented yes. comedy in Australia. Anybody who wants to do comedy, in half a- of the weekly last week was people you discovered. <laughs> That's it. Uh, well, the, pretty much, yeah. Pretty, yes. yeah. Why, yeah. Why hasn't the weekly got me on? I've been, I mean, I've been doing this for so long. Oh my goodness, this is the problem. This is the problem. No, you're welcome. You're welcome, Australia. I find them. I, sh- I, sh- I polish them up and I let them go. That's what. That's my job. That's my job at Irrational Fear. No, we are very lucky to have a lot of funny people come through Irrational Fear, and um, and a lot of people whose careers are just coasting, like my own. So, you know, it's just one of those things. It's you know, they say you do Irrational Fear twice in your career. Unlike me, it's turned out to be my whole career. So there you go. Normally, I'd have you on to discuss Irrational Fear, but given that we're now on the Irrational Fear podcast feed, I think people are already subscribed to Irrational Fear and are quite familiar with it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. And if you're not, uh, I'm really sorry. This is going to be. This would have been a very confusing episode for you because this is news fighters. This the, we're ba- basically getting Dylan on to do this show once a month means one. I can have a week off uh, once a month. <laughs> Uh, and two, uh, Dylan has a place for his excellent show and he can get paid to do it. Um, so excellent. That's I like the, this. That's Win-win. The, that's the great thing about this show. So in lieu of talking to you about Irrational Fear, which everyone knows about, um, I guess we, we'll get to plugging the upcoming events at the end. But I, I figured we'd talk maybe about uh, you're a great news brain. You're a great politics brain. I thought maybe we'd look ahead at the year. Uh, in news and politics, and maybe a few, a few predictions. I guess. I guess first up, we, we're going to have the New South Wales state election in March. Um, you, you are quite familiar with the the teal movement at the last federal election. What's going to happen in the state election? Are we going to get some teals up? Are we going to are we going to get rid of parate? What's what, what's going to happen? Do you reckon? I mean, there's a handful of teals running, so it gets really tricky because unlike the federal election, um, there is no mandate for preferential voting. So there's no rules on preferential preferential voting. That means you oh, it's optional. Put, it's optional, yes. It's optional, yes. So it gets really confusing. And so people will just go in there and they'll just put a one next to whoever they want and walk away. Whereas if they go through the whole ballot and label every single candidate box with a number, there are more chances that a candidate, like an independent climate-focused candidate, like the many of the Climate 200 candidates, will will get in. I reckon there's probably a lot of energy around a couple, um, particularly up in the Northern Beaches. Jackie Scrooby um, is running up there. It seems like she could probably pull together a really compelling campaign and find herself with a seat. So that's exciting. On the podcast, we had uh, Judy Hannon from Willandilly Shire uh, and the Southern Highlands last week. So if you listen, if you listen to that, or if you're new to the podcast, go back and listen to that. Um, really interesting chat with her about uh, how effective she might be able to be if she got a seat. Uh, and then there's a couple of others, Lane Cove. There's a couple of other North Shore seats that may that may turn teal. But I think I think Scrooby is probably um, probably the most likely. She's uh, up in Northern Beaches. She comes from. Um, Sophie Scomps' campaign. She was the chief of staff of Sophie Scomps' campaign back in the day. She's an ex-environmental uh, defence lawyer. Uh, she knows climate back to front. She is very much across PEP 11, um, which is the big um, fossil fuel project off the northern beaches. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of stuff that plays into her favour. And not to say least, she is benefiting from Sophie Scomps's huge grassroots campaign and a mailing list and volunteers. So um, that's a really interesting one. And that one will be 
I think I look. I think that'll be a shoe in. If if she doesn't get in, I'll be very surprised. But correct me if I'm wrong. I noticed the teals at the federal election. There was a big anti scomo, anti liberal uh, movement. But I feel like correct, and correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I'm brainwashed here. But I feel like the New South Wales Liberals are definitely wearing their green on their on their sleeves. They're trying to they're <laughs> yeah. trying to be a bit more green than than the federal Liberals. Is that a fair assumption? Uh, no. That is an accurate assumption, and they've played that card really well. You see a lot of great initiatives from New South Wales, and partly because, you know, the New South Wales is actually a minority government right now. So mm. they need to they need to collaborate with a whole bunch of the other parties. So mainly the independents, people like Alex Greenwich um, yep. and the Greens. So by it's kind of funny because the Liberals are forming coalitions with the Greens in New South Wales, so they can so they can go against Labor. That is kind yes. of that's kind of that's kind of the fun weird coalition we're in right now. Another interesting thing that passed was not only on climate, um, so stuff like Res, the renewable energy zone up in northeastern New South Wales, which got passed, but stuff like really interesting social stuff like um, the end of life stuff that was going on um, for euthanasia in New South Wales that got passed as well this is all because despite having an Opus Day Premier who (laughs) is personally morally against it they ended up voting for it because um, they are in minority government so that's it's kind of an interesting position that they're in right now so realistically it's the it's the other groups in the in parliament that are holding the Liberals account uh, to kind of get stuff done so they can go about their day pretending that they're green, but really the green is being pushed upon them, upon the greens, by the greens and the independents. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that how that changes should the Liberals get out. Like, are they going to go against the renewable energy zone? They're still processing a whole bunch of coal and gas projects and they're still going out the door. And, and also when it comes to development, um, they're still overdeveloping precious habitat for chlamydia-free koalas. So there's this interesting case in southwest Sydney where they've moved a whole bunch of koalas or they're trying to move a whole bunch of koalas out of southwest mm-hmm. Sydney and move them to a, a sanctuary in the Southern Highlands, um, which happens to be owned by the same land as the developer for the, for the development of the land development. <laughs> so there's, this, there's a whole bunch of stuff that yeah, when yeah. it comes to the environment, they wave the flag and say, hey, yeah, we're, we're super green. But really when you look at it, it's you get down to brass tacks, it's it's – it's not as green as you think. Um, so it'll be interesting to mm, see mm. kind of how that how that plays out. I don't know if the Teal movement can mobilise the same amount of anger, back to your question, mm-hmm. uh, against Dominic Perrottet and Matt Keane along those same lines. It'll be interesting to see. I, You know, they're, they're passionate, they're fired up, and when you've got brains like Jackie Scrooby who know climate back to front um, – I wouldn't be surprised if they're successful. Uh, you mean, so after 12 years in power uh, and on our fourth premiere, do you think that the Liberals could 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 win again or will or will will people think of Albo when they vote for Labor at the state election and Labor gets across the line? So it's hard to say. It's going to be a close I one. Honestly, I honestly don't know. For me, it feels pretty ephemeral. Like I can't get a, gri- I can't get a grip on it at all um, in terms of, what the electorate is feeling. Because here's the thing, anyone who's lived in New South Wales for a long period of time knows what life is like under a Labor government. Uh, Mm. A lot of, particularly around infrastructure, what Liberals have done have delivered huge amounts of infrastructure in 12 years. They've Mm. they've made the best use of, at the time, low interest rates, and they've digitised the entire, they've completely revolutionised Service New South Wales, digitised Service New South Wales. It's actually a joy to interact with the government. (laughs) With yes, we all loved our Gladys um, dollars on the app that we scanned also, and got free bowling I on. 
I don't mind getting a parking fine. It's in the app. I can, I can see it. I can see how many points I've lost by going through that red light. I've only, I haven't gone through any red lights. But it's so, I can see my working with children card in, in the app. Everything's on the app. And it's such a joy um, to do that. And, you know, that's something they've delivered. And sure, a lot of governments over the last 10 years have done that same thing. But particularly when it comes to infrastructure, mm. you know, 12 years ago, there wasn't a metro, there wasn't a new airport, There wasn't Opal there cards. Wasn't, <laughs> there, was, there wasn't Opal cards, yeah. And remember Labor trying to bring those things in. It was a real a ball ache. It took forever. Mm-hmm. The disputes were off the chain. Um, where where the metro was going to go was off the chain. It was all dreadfully po- political um, but somehow the Liberals managed to pull off a huge amount of infrastructure in 10 years. The state feels almost a little bit different. But, you know, the, the in, I'm talking about Sydney, of course. I'm mm. not talking about um, outside of outside of Sydney. Uh, people outside of Sydney will talk about lots of problems with, with uh, the hospitals and healthcare and stuff. So it's very different yeah. outside Sydney. Yeah, it's very different outside the, the metro areas, that's for sure. Um, mm. But, yeah, it's pretty... It's pretty interesting. Um, I don't know. It, it could go either way. And um, yeah, is New South Wales ready for a Labor government? <laughs> um, is probably how I would word it if I were running an attack ad this week. It's interesting Chris stuff. Mins. He looks like a male model, but can he be trusted with the budget? <laughs> I think most people in New South Wales, New South Wales is the least parochial state in the country. I think we care the least about local state politics as anyone. So I think most people don't even know the election's on. And when they do go to vote, they'll be like, well, I I like the new tunnel. So so they might vote for that. Who knows? Yeah. I like paying $10 driving through the new tunnel. It's wonderful. Thank you. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, and on the world stage, we've got two big things this year. We've got King Charles's coronation in May. And COP28 is in Dubai. Let's get the Patreon funded up and go to these. I'm all for it. What do you... What, Patreon.com slash Irrational Fear. Everyone jump on it. What do you reckon? Dylan, let me tell you this. When the Queen died and everyone had to replace their portraits of the Queen with the King, we bought two from the Australian Monarchist Association and I promised to give them out to anybody in the next two weeks who signed up to the Patreon. No one signed up to get a portrait. A free portrait. Of King Charles. No one signed up. I think, I, I think I've done the testing. I've done the market market research. This audience does not care about King Charles. We are, no, we are definitely not going to be covering this in any kind of way. Hang it behind you. I'll hang it on my wall here. I've got a nice space here. <laughs> I, mean, the, I mean, his face is okay, but there's not enough room for his hands. His hands, his, his fat <laughs> fingers really take up a lot of space. Those um, big ears no. take up the whole coin as well. <laughs> But COP28 in Dubai, it's one of the, uh, not one of the big COPs. Um, so I don't think we've been going there either. But I think right. there's a good, there will be a COP in a couple of years in Australia. And we are actively going to get behind that to get a COP to Australia. So I'm really looking forward to that. That's for me in terms of COPs coming up. Um, getting the COP to Australia, the Pacific countries and Australia co-hosting a COP potentially in Brisbane. I reckon that's a, a great way to get active and get meaningful uh, action on climate when it's in your own country. I think that's going to be pretty good. And as Australia is still probably one of the worst fossil fuel exporters, one of the worst scope three emitters, probably second or third to Russia and Saudi Arabia, uh, that is that is a number one priority. You know, imagine if we could um, use that COP to limit fossil fuel exports and, and 
ratchet back fossil fuel exports over the next 10 years. That will be something meaningful for the world. Um, it's pretty interesting. But can I play you a hilarious wacky clip? I don't know yes. if you found this yet. This is a yep. climate-related wacky clip. This is from uh, Liberal Senator Alex Antic, who's asking a question of the home affairs boss, Mike Pizzullo, whether the department's focus on climate change as a natural security risk is parody or comedy. Uh, yes. uh, this, this is really quite enjoyable from uh, Alex Antic. So, Pizzullo, your, your opening statement um, here, which I've got in front of me, you, you made mention of the fact that the department's uh, work extends to dealing with the effects of climate change... Yes. Uh, and to better position Australia to deal with the increasing exposure and vulnerability to nationally significant crises, including those due to climate change, with, with the greatest of respect, is that, is that comedy, parody, or is that serious? Uh, I, uh, I'm not sure. Are you referring to the question that you've asked me? I, I don't understand. No, 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 no. The suggestion that the Department of Home Affairs is somehow prioritising the issue of uh, climate change. Is that a well, I'm not sure if you've noticed uh, the increasing frequency and severity of weather events. We're responsible in supporting the Minister for Emergency Management who happens to be at the table with policy and legislative advice. My colleague, the Coordinator-General of NEMA, that uh, was um, questioned this morning, then delivers programs. I genuinely don't know how to respond to a rather oddly put question. You asked me whether well, it's comedy. It's well, my job. I, well, I, don't, I don't really understand well, what you're asking me. <laughs> They're just clueless. Isn't that just amazing? It's like everyone's <laughs> house is being destroyed, not an issue of national security. <laughs> Taking tweezers on an airplane, very important issue of national security. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the millions of people that are going to come to Australia after they become climate refugees, definitely not part of home affairs. No, no, not oh, at all. Dear. Uh, and this is, here's another great clip from that Senate estimates as well. Senator Antic again. Well, Mr Pizzullo, is it safe then to say that the department has been captured by leftist ideology. <laughs> is it? I'm looking forward to hearing this answer. Yeah, so am I. <laughs> yes, the Department of Homeland Affairs is akin to the Greens. You might as well have Adam Bant running the Home Affairs Department. Oh, my goodness. That was them laughing, not us. Like, even they found it That was Mike Palooza laughing at the dumb question. And before we go, I think what's going to be the biggest issue of the year, it's looking like inflation and interest rates. How do we, how do we stop inflation from going out of control? Any tips, any thoughts, any ideas? You need to speed up on the spending, Dylan. You need to spend more. And one way you can spend more is go to patreon.com forward slash irrational fear and drop us $3 a month of your hard-earned cash and we keep this show on the road. Or more. You, you can choose a higher amount. You don't have to choose one yeah. of the tiers. You can choose a high, higher amount, correct? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. I hear there's a uh, there's a famous comedian in the US. They have a Patreon, they, which they earn like $300,000 a year on. Oh, sorry, $300,000 a month. And wow. their top tier is called the Rothschild tier. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have that, but, you know, if you pay us $500 a, a month, we'll come and do a show live for you somewhere. All right, so just plug, where uh, uh, what's coming up with Irrational Fear in the near future? There's some We're going on tour. There's some great gigs coming up. And what's the rest of the year look like as well? You can go catch us in Adelaide at the Adelaide Fringe Festival. And then you can catch us at Brisbane 
in QPAC for the World Science Festival. Dylan, we have got incredible guests at that festival, including yourself, Lewis Hobber. Mel Buttle is doing that show. Also, Mark Humphreys. And we have a very special scientist from NASA joining us. Her name is, uh, her name is uh, Dr. Christensen, Dr. Jessie Christensen. And she worked on the JWST, uh, the, the James Webb Space Telescope, and she currently is building a habitat for um, exoplanets. It's this incredible data set uh, where all the data for every exoplanet they discover goes into this huge database, um, and people can look it up and find exoplanets and learn more about them, which is amazing. So it's, 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 it's incredible. So we're going to talk to her about aliens, life forms, uh, looking into deep space and um, working on JWST and working at NASA. She's Australian, so it's very exciting to have her on the show. Uh, oh, yes, and then, of course, April 2nd, we've got the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. That is a huge show. We've called that show Irrational Fear Has Too Many Guests because it's a 60-minute <laughs> show and we have too many guests for 60 minutes, so everyone's going to be limited to about five minutes each, uh, but we'll figure out how that goes as we go along. Um, we've got Lewis, myself, uh, Andy McClellan's DJing, Vijarajan's doing sketches. We've also got Nats What I Reckon, Gabby Bolt, and uh, Alice Fraser. And also um, Grace Tame is joining us again, as well as Sammy Shah. So another huge, huge, huge show. That show is already about 30% sold. So please get your tickets to that one. That's going to definitely sell out. And everyone, stay subscribed because you'll have news fighters on here uh, monthly as well, including big wrap of the New South Wales state election next month. Dan, thanks for having me on. As they oh, say, no, I'm having you on. Congratulations. Yo, <laughs> as they used to say, me podcaster, you sukasa. You put uh, su podcaster. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> Good to be with you. Alrighty, that's News Fighters for February 2023. Don't forget, you can catch us every month here on the Irrational Fear podcast feed or watch us on YouTube at youtube.com slash newsfighters. Don't forget to hit subscribe and leave a comment or a view. A big thank you to Dan Illick for stopping by and also a thanks to Tom Quarville for our sparkly new graphics. As always, News Fighters is written, produced and edited by me, Dylan Bain, for Irrational Fear. You can follow me on Twitter at dialabolical or email me dylan at newsfighters.com don't forget if you like the show please support the show to keep us running by chipping in at patreon.com slash irrational fear that's now patreon.com slash irrational fear and if you want to listen to one of our 120 old episodes uh, search for newsfighters on your podcast feed or you can uh, buy our bonus patreon episodes at newsfighters.bandcamp.com you can also find us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at NewsFightersPod or we're on Facebook, but who cares about Facebook? And if you hate social media, we have our own little newsletter saying what I'm up to, which you can subscribe to for free at NewsFighters.com. All these links and the transcript are in the show notes. See you next month when I'm going to be wrapping up and previewing the New South Wales state election. Thanks for listening. Keep fighting and bye for now. This is News Fighters, where we fight the news so you don't have to. Is there any time of the day when a kebab isn't appropriate? When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. 
Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.